Hey there, this is Meg. I'm your host, and you are listening to Mental Status, a podcast about burnout for people in the mental health profession. Quick disclaimer, because you know that stuff is important these days. Uh, Mental Status is a podcast about burnout in the mental health field. It's for entertainment and educational purposes only. This is not therapy, and this is not clinical supervision. There are no CEUs associated with this podcast. Enjoy it and share it as you will. And if you're in a space where you're needing deeper support, please seek out therapy or supervision for yourself from somebody who is qualified to provide those services for you. Okay, here we go. Hey everybody, it is Meg. I'm here by myself today. Um, and I am just finishing up my second cup of coffee. So, uh, you're going to have to deal with, um, basically, I guess you could call it rambling. I don't know. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna talk about some shit today because I feel like it. (laughs) Um, anyways, yes, it's me. Hello. Hi, welcome. Um, if you are new to the show, I am super excited to have you here. Uh, this is a show about burnout for mental health professionals. Uh, and it's, it's kind of started to grow, um, just a little bit here. It's, it's about burnout for mental health professionals, but I have found that, um, it has, it has really spoken to a lot of people within the helping professions in general. So it's not just for therapists, Um, I've, I've got some friends who are nurses who have really found the content to resonate with them. Um, and it's, I think that's because, um, a lot of us who are in helping professions, whether that's mental health, physical health, spiritual health, like we're at a time in our lives personally and professionally where, like, obviously it's, what is today? January 16th, 2022. Um, shit has been hitting the fan for months, years. It feels like decades. We're in year three. We're in year three of COVID and we're tired. We are tired. Um, and so here we are, right? Like this show was made, uh, it was really born out of my own need to talk about burnout for myself as a At the time, I was still a pre-licensed professional. I was working at the associate level. Uh, I am now currently independently licensed, which is fantastic. Um, But it's it's really like it's grown into a show that (laughs) like we've really been talking about um, a lot of big stuff that a lot of systemic stuff that comes with burnout and a lot of the big reasons why we within the helping professions are so prone to getting burnt out and why we're so prone to um, getting to these places where we are giving and giving and giving and not really receiving, um, receiving care in return, either from other people or from ourselves. And we're tired we're just really tired. Um, so I'm excited to be here. The show has, it's really given me an opportunity to explore some of my own assumptions about what it means to be in the mental health field. Um, it's helped me explore, you know, other, other ways of being in this field and other ways of thinking about being in this field. 
Uh, and one of the topics that I wanted to talk about today is it's a little bit more along the lines of us as individuals who are working within um, systems that are uh, burnout inducing, one might say exploitative. Um, for those of us who are caught up in jobs or positions where we feel like we don't we don't have a way out. Like we can logistically understand that there are other jobs. Um, we can logistically understand that we're not actually stuck where we are, but there's very much a, a an emotional and mental block to this idea that we could leave. And, you know, to be realistic for, for many of us, there are logistical barriers as well, right? Like there are quite honestly, way too many of us who are highly dependent on our places of work for the benefits that they provide for the health insurance, for the security, X, Y, and Z, right? So there's, there are, there are barriers and it would be, um, quite unfair of me to, you know, assume that those barriers don't exist. That would be coming from a place of privilege to just say like, Oh, quit your job. It's fine. Um, but what I do want to talk about today along those same lines is for those of us who are in a position where logistically we could leave, right? Like we, we have either the means or there is enough, um, there's enough on the market in terms of jobs where we could leave. We could make the decision to go somewhere else where we wouldn't be uh, so overworked and overwhelmed and, um, you know, maybe underpaid or undercared for those things are available to us and we can see it and we entertain the idea and we, um, we think about it often. Maybe we cruise those indeed postings, like at least once a week <laughs> looking for a new job and we fantasize about it. We fantasize about what it could be like if we were to apply for that dream job. Maybe there's, maybe there's a group practice that has a really good reputation in your area for taking care of its therapists, or you know, a, an agency that specializes in the type of work that you want to do, or maybe there is some opening, an opportunity for you to start your own private practice, like. Maybe you have the means to explore that and you have the space and the time. But for whatever reason, when you look at these opportunities, you look at it fearfully and your mind automatically goes to all of the reasons it wouldn't work, right? Like I couldn't make the switch because, well, starting a private practice would, it would, it would be a hit on my finances. Um, or I don't have the time, I don't know what to do, I wouldn't be able to figure it out. Or, you know, the, the market is saturated in my area. And, you know, I, I couldn't open a practice because there's already too many therapists. Um, you could have some thoughts of, well, there's no guarantee that it'll be better than where I am right now. So I might as well just stay. Um, maybe you think to yourself, like, I have it okay here. You know, I know the job. I know what I need to do. Yes, it's overwhelming. 
Yes, I get frustrated. Yes, I feel like I want to rip my fucking hair out half the time. And the admin work is overbearing and oppressive, but at least I know what I'm doing. I'm too scared to start again. Um, Maybe you think to yourself, gosh, it would be so... It would be so wrong of me to leave. It would be selfish. It would be, um, it, it would be mean. You know, I'd be putting extra burden on my place of employment and the people who remain to pick up the pieces. And I would be, you know, uh, in the, in the biggest fearful moments, maybe you think to yourself like, oh, I'm, I'm abandoning my clients if I choose to leave. I would be abandoning my colleagues to basically fend for themselves and the people that I'm serving. And that would be wrong of me. So I have to stay. Um, I just, I want to, I want to approach this as somebody who has had basically all of those thoughts. (laughs) Um, I've had, I've had them all. I've had the fear around not knowing what to do not knowing what steps to take, not wanting to be a beginner, feeling like, well, I've, I've got this down. I, I know these processes here, so I'm good. Like, maybe it sucks and maybe it's overwhelming, but at least I know what I'm doing, right? I've thought that. I've had the thoughts around, well, the only other option is another CMH, and who says that is going to be any better? than what I have right now? Who, who says that I will be happier or less overworked if I choose to go over here or do this thing or go with this other agency? I can't promise myself that, so why should I try? And I've also had a lot of thoughts uh, when leaving jobs around the guilt of basically leaving a team, right? Like for most of us, especially if we're doing agency work, when we leave, we leave a team behind. And we know what it feels like when we're on a team and somebody else leaves and then their work is, it's basically distributed between everybody else who remains. And we also have like within our, our ethical minds, this duty to the clients that we serve and anything other than staying with them until they decide that they are ready to be done feels like abandonment. These are all thoughts that will keep you stuck where you are. These are thoughts that will prevent you from being able to take steps toward having the type of practice that you want that sustains you, that maybe even nourishes you. Imagine that. They prevent you from being able to enter a phase of your career where you're able to have the space and the time and the resources to become curious again about an intervention that you've been wanting to learn or a book that you've been dying to read or a webinar or a training that you've just really desperately wanted to go to, but you couldn't make the time. You couldn't take the time off. You couldn't afford it. It wouldn't be fair to your clients, X, Y, and Z. All of these thoughts that we have about ourselves keep us in these places, excuse me, keep us in these places where we burn out, right? 
where we feel like we have no other option than to stay. And I just, I'm saying this with a lot of compassion to the folks who are listening to this and maybe identifying with what I'm saying or who are feeling a little defensive, right? Like, cause I can, I can remember times in my life where I would listen to somebody like me saying these things and I would be yelling back at the speakers like, well, fuck you. Like I do have to do this. I do have to stay for these people. I can't leave. They need me, right? Like if I leave, things will go to shit. I will be a bad therapist. I'll be putting people in a worse position. I'll be letting people down. You don't know me. You don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know my place of employment or the clients that I work with. I have to stay. I also know for myself, when I've been in positions like that and had those lines of thought, I burned out so fucking quick, right? Like when I was in a position of feeling and believing that I was stuck in the circumstances that led me to feel incredibly uh, caged in, right? And controlling for all of the logistical stuff, because as I said at the beginning of this, I'm fully aware that there are folks out there, and I have been one of them, we're making a shift, logistically speaking, it just doesn't make sense. Other things need to be in place. Other things need to be considered. That's okay. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about are these, these mindsets that we get ourselves into that are basically treading the waters of saviorism and martyrdom to the cause, right? Or basically self-rejecting so that we can be Um, accepting of everybody else's needs and everybody else's desires above our own. And I'll just, I'll speak from my own experience, right? So like with, with my most recent, um, I guess you can call it place of employment, even though I was technically a contractor, although it didn't feel like it a lot of the time, um, there was a ton of embedded guilt that came with my decision to leave. And there were a couple different areas of guilt. So I felt guilty, first and foremost, around leaving clients. And to some degree, like that's, that's just, that comes with the territory a lot of the time, because we've built a relationship with these people, we care about them. We want them to be well and do well. And we understand, as we should, that leaving is going to be a transition for them. It's going to be a disruption. It's going to be a change to what they know. It's it's going to be different. And as we're considering the idea of leaving, we're not just considering what it means for us right? And what that means for the, the shit that we need to figure out and the things that we want to do. But depending on how many clients you have, you're basically doing the emotional labor in your own mind of 20, 30, 40, 100, 200 breakups. Especially if you're in a place where they have some sort of contract in place where you can't tell your clients where you're going, which I have a whole other issue with that, but 
it exists, right? Like those kinds of things exist in our world. So there are circumstances where your clients may not even have the option of following you, which sucks. And so for myself, with the most recent place that I left, I had to go through the emotional process for many of the clients I was working with. I went through that internal process myself of trying to do the labor of anticipating how they would react, trying to anticipate how I could best attend to their needs, how I could facilitate, you know, as good of a transition as possible, and how I could basically let them know that they still have rights as a client, they have rights as a consumer of of mental health care, they could choose to stick with the agency, they could choose to go to a different agency, or, you know, wink, wink, Google exists, and you know my name, blah, blah, blah. So there, there was the guilt, essentially, of breaking up many, many times within a couple of weeks span. And, and as I was approaching that in my mind, like that felt like such a huge mental barrier for me. I didn't want to disappoint people. I didn't want to make people feel any sort of way other than I don't know. <laughs> okay with it, I guess, which is a whole nother thing, right? Like I, I, I wanted to try to control the reaction, which isn't necessarily therapeutic. So there's that area of guilt with the clients. And, and we know that that exists. We know that that is you know, a part of being an ethical therapist is being able to facilitate those transitions and allowing space for the emotions that come up and processing that time and time again with every single client, which is exhausting. And then on the other side of things, I experienced a different level of guilt when it came to my employer, basically. And thank God I had an outside supervisor that I had contracted with to provide me with extra support because that person had no skin in the game. They didn't care if I stayed with this agency other than the fact that they could see it was burning me the fuck out. So they kind of like they cared, but it, it didn't impact this other supervisor in my decision to leave. They were not losing money. They were not losing uh, a, a clinician for their clients. And so they were really able to be very uh, upfront with me about this guilt process around leaving my employer. And it was so helpful for me to have somebody basically call me on my shit. And what we ended up talking about within our supervision sessions around my leaving and the guilt that I felt was that within the, the um, basically employer-employee relationship, and again, I say that even though I was a contractor, which should also say something about this, um, within that dynamic to set the stage, like I'm a, I'm a 30 something young, 30 something clinician, female. Um, and this person who ran the practice was an older male. Um, and there was such a, such a, a dynamic where as I was talking with my outside supervisor about it, well, we uncovered a few things first. Um, the fact that the owner of the business was also my supervisor was in and of itself a conflict of interest um, because ultimately 
the business owner's interests tended to come before the supervisor's interests in supervising me, right? So there was that. Um, but there was also transference and countertransference happening within that relationship where this person, and I can't really say for sure, but they may have been seeing me as more of a child. And I may have been seeing them as more of a parental figure, right? And so there was this power differential where in some ways, like this person had approached me to um, basically reward me for my good work at the agency by offering to spruce up the office that I was using. And some of the dynamics that had been set up even before I came on as a, as a contractor, you know, there, there was this discussion around, well, we're much more like a family and people don't leave. They don't leave our agency. They like it here. We have a good reputation. We're one of the best in the area. People don't leave. Um, and so the whole relationship had been set up with this dynamic of we're a family People don't leave this family. And if you do well, we're going to reward you. We're going to, we're going to treat you well. Um, not necessarily with things that you would anticipate as a reward, like a raise, uh, but we'll make your space look nice. Right. Um, and so what had developed over the course of about nine months was this internal, this internal process for me where I was. I was afraid of making this parental figure disappointed or sad or frustrated with me for making my own decisions and deciding to leave or deciding to not take on a particular client that they had referred to me. There was a lot of guilt coming up for me because of the dynamic that had been established from the start. And it wasn't until I brought this up to an outside uh, supervisor and I tell you what, some of the looks that she gave me when I was explaining the things that had happened within this place, she looked at me like, are you serious? Are you serious right now? Like this is a business owner. You are a contractor and he's treating you like your child or like a child. And it, it really highlighted for me how, how subconscious that process was for me. Like I knew that there was guilt happening and I had rolled it over in my mind a few times and I was trying to figure out on my own, like, why, why is it with this person that the guilt is showing up? Why is it with, within this space that I'm feeling this strong aversion to uh, disappointing other people with my decision to leave or making them frustrated. And it, it was, it was a good process for me to work through with this supervisor. And it was also painful because it highlighted for me the ways in which I was playing out other dynamics in the workplace. I want to illustrate that for the folks who are listening, because as most of us know, <laughs> you know, being in the mental health field, none of us are immune to having these types of um, 
patterns come up in, in various aspects of our life, right? Unless we have done really intensive, deep reprocessing work or trauma work, <clears throat> and even then, like this stuff still might come out, like there are processes that are happening for us. It was that um, parallel process a lot of the time. I don't know if I'm using that right, but whatever. Um, there are things that we are playing out in the workplace as a means of trying to repair other pains from the past. And when that became apparent to me that I was holding myself back and I was fearful of letting people down and fearful of disappointing the people that I worked with because I was subconsciously in this place of being a child seeking approval from a parent. I mean, first of all, that made me kind of mad. (laughs) I mean, I was mad at myself a little bit, not really mad at myself. I guess there was that moment of like, okay, all, all right, I get that. There was a little bit of anger too toward the person who had basically been appointed to supervise me through this end stage process of getting my license, um, the, the owner of the practice. And I can't like, this isn't me maligning that person because again, we all, we all have these subconscious processes that are played out. Um, and you know, it, I don't inherently believe that this person was acting in a way to be uh, manipulative. That's, that's not what I believe. Um, but I do believe that both of us were playing out dynamics that probably developed a long time prior to us ever meeting. They were showing up in the supervisory uh, environment and also within the uh, business owner and contractor environment. And it wasn't healthy. And as much as I felt guilt around leaving and I had to contend with this possibility, no, the likelihood that this person would experience disappointment, frustration, sadness, annoyance with me for deciding to leave after a year. I had to make the decision that I wasn't going to keep playing out these patterns for myself. I wanted to be able to step into a place where I could say, this dynamic isn't healthy for me. The environment is not supporting me in the way that I personally need to be supported. My efforts at trying to reconcile that have not been met in the way that I need them to be met. And so I need to leave. It was a process. These days, like, how, how long have I been gone? Just a few months. Really, I can't even believe it. I've only been gone for a few months. It feels like such a long time. I don't, I don't feel guilty anymore. I, I don't feel this sense of having done something wrong anymore for making the decision to honor my own needs and to differentiate and to to become an individual separate from this practice that was quote unquote a family right like i <laughs> i i left the family system indeed i never really felt like i belonged anyways and that was part of it too um most of the people who had been there they'd all kind of started together they'd been there for a decade plus and i was a fresh new face 
Um, there was a lot of other stuff going on for me where I didn't really feel like I belonged in the space. It wasn't necessarily because anybody had made me feel that way or done anything to imply that I didn't belong. Um, but there was something going on for me where it didn't feel congruent with the type of environment where I felt like I belonged. So that's, that's kind of a long way of getting to the point of guilt around leaving and just validating the fact that it'll probably happen if and when you decide to leave. Just like with most relationships that we choose to end for one reason or another, most of us tend to experience some level of guilt because we understand that change is hard and we understand that you know, a disruption to services, it can be hard for clients and it will be hard for some of them. Um, we understand that we, we have an impact. We make an impact on people's lives. And for some of our clients, they will be perfectly fine. They, they'll hear the news that you're leaving and they'll say, okay, that's cool. I'll, that's good for you. Um, you know, I'm going to stick around here or I'm going to go find somebody else, or maybe even I'm going to take a break from therapy. I'm good. Some clients will be like dead set on following you, which is great, right? Like if they feel that connection and you have the rapport where you can continue to do that good work with them, if they have the option to follow you, they probably will. They're going to want to try to find a way to make that work, even if it means driving to a new office or um, maybe even paying a fee that they're not used to paying or switching to all telehealth, right? Like there, there are options most of the time outside of those <clears throat> quote unquote uh, non-compete types of situations where people can, they can make the choice. Um, and another thing that my my outside supervisor talked to me about in terms of clients and leaving because I, I had a lot of, a lot of internalized guilt around, well, I've been in person and I'm going all telehealth and like n people aren't going to want to do that. It's inconvenient for them. I feel bad if they want to follow, I would feel bad for asking them to go to telehealth. And she just kind of looked at me and was like, well, can't, can they do telehealth? It's like, well, yeah, yeah, most of them could. They don't like it, um, but they have the, the capabilities. They could do that. She's like, okay, so they can do that. If they, if they want to work with you, they'll find a way to do it. Like they will adjust to telehealth. And if that is not something that they want, if that's not something they can do, they can find other options. You can provide them with referrals to people who are in person. You can help them find continuity of care, whether that's with you or whether that's with somebody else. And that like the whole process of working with this supervisor, it had like, there were some very logistical things that it helped me with, right? Like, okay, so here are some steps that you need to take. Here are timelines. This is what you need to do to get a practice started, X, Y, and Z. Okay. But there was also just like a really wonderful process by which she lovingly, um, <laughs> she, 
she lovingly helped me like get over myself a little bit, which has been uh, a really important part of this for me. Um, I had to get over myself to a degree, which is there, there's a bit of a balancing act for that mentally, right? Like we do matter. We are important. And there are clients who very much enjoy working with us or who feel connected to us. We have an impact. We make an impact and our decisions have consequences. And this is true for everybody, right? But for a lot of the clients that we serve, probably most of them, um, they, they've gone a whole lifetime prior to meeting us and they've made it that far and we can help them as much as possible. And we may even be able to push them further along in their journey. We may be able to support them as they get greater access to resources and learn new skills and develop, you know, greater capacity to sit with their emotions or have hard conversations. But that doesn't mean that just because they've entered our practice and our lives, that we are forever the only person who can help them. It doesn't mean that once we go, they're going to fall back down to the place they were before we met them, right? Like if we're doing our jobs well, we're going to leave our clients in a better state than we found them. And we're able to recognize that they are, for the most part, able to self-direct. If they're kiddos, right? Like we can trust that there will be other people available to them. If it's not us, there will be other people available to them, whether it's a caregiver, another therapist, another type of provider, like we can provide to them the resources that they need to make sure that they're continuing to move forward. It might be with us. And that's great, right? Like if you're able to continue relationships with people after you leave an agency or a group practice, that's fantastic. If they choose to go with someone else, or if they cannot follow you because you have a non-compete or you're no longer taking their insurance, you know what to do to make sure that they are getting continuity of care. You can sit with them in session if needed, provide them with resources and call them, right? Like you can sit with them and talk about what would it mean to you to start with somebody new? What do you think would need to happen? How did you get to the point of starting to work with me? Okay, so if you can't come with me and we need to get you set up with somebody else, let's work on doing that for you because I want to make sure that you can keep moving forward whether I'm in the picture or not, right? Clients will be okay. We can, we can do everything in our power to make sure that they have the resources that they need to be okay once we've left. I'm going to lovingly say this to the folks listening here, like we need to, we need to get over ourselves just a little bit. Um, Same thing goes with, you know, leaving colleagues. Yeah, it sucks when you're the employee who 
is working hard and another therapist quits, yeah, it sucks. I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat that because you can understand what's coming at you most likely, right? Like this person's leaving. Okay. We have a caseload for them. We want to be able to keep serving the people on that caseload. Okay. We're going to distribute them. And I get that. I don't, I don't want to try to make it seem like everything is just perfectly peachy keen when somebody leaves an agency and it's not going to create ripples because it will. It's the same thing across the board, right? Like you leaving anywhere is going to have some kind of impact. There's going to be some sort of thing that somebody else is going to have to do to make things work. And that's okay, right? Like in talking about your colleagues, they're also self-directed individuals who can make decisions for themselves. They can decide if they're okay with staying. They can decide if they want to and need to approach management and advocate for themselves. They can decide if, if they want to look for another job or if they want to cut back their hours. These people can decide what they need to do for themselves. And when you've convinced yourself that you need to stay to protect them from that, you're, you're entering into like saviorism and martyrdom. You're entering into this space where you're basically elevating the importance of yourself to the level that nobody could do anything without you. Um, they need you. They can't, can't survive without you. And (laughs) again, if you're like, if you're getting upset with what I'm saying, this isn't me saying that you don't matter. And this isn't me saying that you leaving wouldn't have an impact. But if you are grinding yourself into a dust, working your ass off, burnt out, frustrated, and convincing yourself that it has to be this way because people need you. It's just, it's a tough place to be. And it's not necessarily true that people need you. They want you there. And yes, there are vital parts of your job that while you are there need to be done. But by and large, in most, if not all, circumstances, things will go on when you leave. The company will continue to operate. And if they don't, like, okay, so let's go down this route. If the company ceases to exist because you leave or because multiple people leave, I would hope that that could be a point where you would look at it and say, holy shit, look at how much I was supporting. Look at how unsustainable that was. Look at how much pressure was put on myself and the other therapists to keep things running. It's so unsustainable that it fell apart when we left. I hope that if that happens, which it probably won't, but you know, this world is big and wacky and weird, so it might, right? It might. If things fall apart when you leave, 
Rather than telling yourself that you're an awful person and you never should have left and you should feel super guilty, I wonder if you could take a different approach and say, wow, that structure was frail as fuck. No wonder I felt so overwhelmed and overworked and burdened and burned out. I was holding up an entire damn business and not being paid to do it, right? Like not being paid the amount that you'd need to be paid to support a whole fucking business. It's not your job. I mean, unless it's literally your own private practice, then I mean, yeah. And of course, if you left your own private practice and there's nobody else, yeah, that's it's going to stop working because you're the only one. But if you're at an agency or a nonprofit and things go to shit when you leave, my compassionate message to you would be, you, you didn't cause the collapse. Like you were simply the last pillar to give way because the weight on top of that bridge, the weight on top of that structure was so much, it was so unsustainable that nobody could have expected it to survive given the way things were. And just know that in most cases, Like, that's probably an extreme case where things fall apart. In most cases, things will go on. People will be okay. Most businesses will not fail. Most agencies will stay open. They'll continue taking clients. They'll continue making money. People will continue applying to work there. People will continue to leave. It's it's a shitty setup. But they won't, they won't go underwater. Things will be okay. And as soon as you can really embody that and internalize that and know that, yeah, realistically, things will be difficult. But the world isn't going to fall apart when you leave. That gives you the space to feel maybe even a little more liberated, right? Like, oh, I'm important, but not that important to the business, right? Like they will continue to function without me. I'm most important to me and my family. My ability to continue functioning means I need to leave because this is unsustainable. This is not serving me well. I'm grinding myself into the ground. I'm not present for my life because I'm trying to keep a sinking ship afloat. Like you can leave and they will figure it out. So that's, <laughs> that's what I want to say about that. Um, maybe that's a bit of a, a French press induced rant, but I just, I hear so often from people, these like really deep feelings of guilt around leaving and you know, I I do need to acknowledge that there are multiple parts to this, right? Like there's the individual part for sure. We all have our own internal processes that are being played out in these moments where we feel guilty and bad for leaving. There are also a lot of systemic factors that come into this. There's, there's cultural messaging around 
you know, leaving and what that means and what that says about you as a person and the judgments that you feel like you may need to face or the questions. Um, there's all of that. So I also want to acknowledge that the decision to leave is, it's pretty radical, um, to go up against your own internal patterns and ways of thinking and to go up against the cultural ways of thinking and to say, you know what? I'm no longer available to literally work myself to death just to make sure that like, you know, this agency can keep its doors open. The moment you, you really sit with that and accept that is the moment that you can feel more liberated in making the choice that will serve you and your family the best. And ultimately it'll serve your clients as well. Um, I, I often hesitate to like go too far down that path. Um, because I think that we all know, we all know that we need to be of sound mind and body to best serve our clients. And I get that it's an important part of the job. Um, you know, we, we need to do that both ethically and legally to make sure that we are adhering to the standards of the position. We know that, right? And the reason I hesitate to go too far down that line of take care of yourself so that you can take care of others, um, is that that tends to wander down that path of, um, only doing things for the benefit of other people rather than just because we deserve to take care of ourselves and we deserve to be mentally well because we are humans. Um, all of those things can exist. So yeah. Uh, thanks for, (laughs) thanks for following me on this, uh, this winding path, this rant, um, maybe this pep talk a little bit for you around, um, you know, if, if you've been considering leaving, but you're feeling a lot of hesitation and guilt, like just acknowledging and validating that it is difficult and that we have a lot of internal and external pressures working against those types of decisions. Um, but also that like, I, I genuinely believe that you can do it if that's what you want and need to do for yourself, um, that you can, and you should whenever it makes most sense to you and whenever it feels like you're able to take that leap, um, I would encourage it. All right. So that is what I have for you today. I appreciate you listening. Um, yeah. And I will talk to y'all again soon. Hey everyone. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, and I hope that whoever or wherever you are, you can start having more conversations in your circles of support about better ways to support ourselves and to support each other through burnout. If you like today's show, please make sure to head over to wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I would love it if you left a rating and a review on there to help get the word out. Thanks so much, y'all. Until next time, take care of yourselves, and I will see you again soon.